Dan Seaborn here thanking you again for being a Home Run Club member. This is the month of Thanksgiving. My favorite day because I celebrate all of God's goodness to me, my family, and to winning at home. And I thank you for being a partner with us and joining with us in this journey of seeing where the Lord is going to use us here and around the world. Today, I'm going to share with you a message that was recorded live a couple of months ago. And it's things I've learned since I've been married. I have learned so much about my own life by being married to Jane. She is my best teacher other than the Lord. And my goal and my prayer is to continue to learn. My goal would be to finish my life serving, giving, and helping others and learning that, much of it, through married life. And so today, as you listen to these thoughts, nine of them, on how I've grown in my marriage and what I've learned from married life, I pray these practical little insights will be encouraging to you. They're real-life issues, and certainly all of us deal with those. And my prayer is as you listen, you'll not only be relating to it, but you'll also be applying it to your life as the Lord has applied it to my life. So thank you again for joining me. Here we go live listening to this little message I called, Things I've Learned Through Marriage. Jane and I celebrated 36 years just a couple of weeks ago. It's a little over 12,000 days, so it's a big deal. I like to say it in days, because when you tell somebody you've been married 12,000 days, they step back a little, like, well, that sounds like you're close to death. I mean, that's a long time. But in that period of time, I've learned a lot of things, and tonight I want to talk about those things. And I believe they will be encouraging, but I also believe they will be very practical. And if you're here and you aren't married, it's okay. Uh, Just take this as relationship guidance and things that you can practice and work on in your life. And to start it out, there's a little picture of three matches coming up on the screen. And you can apply this to relationships or whatever. And I I wrote the other day, I had this little picture and I wrote on it. And literally, that's my writing up there. And I kind of looked at this and I thought, that's a good way to start this. I had this picture of these three matches. And you can apply relationships here too, obviously. But which one would you say represents the relationships of your life? So kind of get it in your mind. And then I'm going to give you what I think is a really good answer for it. Um, All three. Most of us look and go, well, we're supposed to be the middle one. Of course, we're supposed to be on fire. But the reality is I've had days where I felt like uh, Jane and I, we need to strike a new match. We need to get something started a little bit here. The flame's kind of going out. I've had other days where I felt like we're doing really well and other days where we're smoldering a little. And that's called life. In fact, I would, I would probably venture to say for many of us, we feel like our relationship with Jesus, even though we love him and we've grown in him, and obviously being here on a Sunday night is a big statement of your faith. But there are probably times you feel off, feel, you feel all three of those things. And that's why I always talk about, you know, marriage and relationships, especially when you take the step of marriage. Marriage isn't about feelings because you'll have all these feelings. Marriage is about faith that I'm committed to this thing and I'm going to work at this thing and I'm going to finish until death do us part. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share with you some things I've learned. And I believe that we as Christians, as believers in the Lord, I believe that when we become exposed to the light of God's word, we are then responsible for it. Uh, Sometimes we get frustrated as we look at people in the world and we go, why are they not doing this and that and the other? They don't know it. There are people you shop with, admire, that do not know what this book says. So if you see things that you go, I don't like that, understand they never maybe been exposed to the teaching of God's word. 
Uh, the verse that I chose to share with you tonight is from the same passage I used this morning, Ephesians chapter 5, and it says in verse 13, everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For example, I asked the, the tech team, I said, can you kind of take the light off me for a second while I'm reading that verse? So make the light go away if you can for a second. And, and you can still see me, but not as good as when they do this. You can see me better. Well, your life's the same way. And some of us, I think, choose to try to live a little bit outside that bright light of Christ because we know, man, that's going to expose some things about me where I probably need to change. And I'm one of those people that believes the more you expose yourself to the light of the Lord, the better your life will be. It doesn't mean it'll be perfect, you won't have issues, but you will be more peaceful. For example, I'm guessing in a room this size, there are some of you here tonight who might have some things in your life that you think, I would rather that not be exposed. And I would say to you, right there, you don't even need me to say another word. Go work on that thing. Go confess that. Go grow in that area. That's what I think we as people need to do when God exposes us to the light of his love and his grace and his mercy. And so tonight, I'm going to give you, I think there's nine of them if I get to all of them, just nine different things that I have learned in my marriage with Jane over the last 36 years that I think will be very helpful to you wherever you are in your relationship process. And the first one is this, learn, and what I've learned is just let it go. Now, I talked about that this morning when I talked about that house and the garage, okay? But let me just say to you, in the last two weeks, so I've had this couple I'm working with. And there is something in her past that he will not let go, okay? They aren't married yet. They aren't married yet. They're dating. And there's something in her past he won't let go. And it's killing their relationship. So they sat in our house the other day, and I'm sitting here with Jane, who I've been married to for 36 years, and I think about all the things she has let go about me. She could have jumped up on her bandwagon and started saying, well, Dan's got this, 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 and this. I'm done with him. She could have done that, but she's chosen by God's grace to let it go. And one of the reasons she chooses to do that is because if you want the Lord Jesus to forgive you, you need to forgive others. And I've tried to talk about this issue with this young man until I am blue in the face. And that's my point. You will only accept letting go when Jesus shows you in your heart you need to do it. I can stand up here and say you need to forgive, you need to forget, you need to do what I can stand up here and talk about it all day long. It won't happen until your heart sees it. It was interesting because the same young man called us um, after we dealt with a lot of this stuff. And he said, hey, I need to come over to your house. And I thought, here we go again. Here we go again. Going to come over and have the same conversation. And I said to Jane, babe, you haven't been in on all this stuff, but I want you to sit in on this tonight. This guy's coming over. I want you to sit in on it. I need, I need somebody else to speak into this because I'm tired. Young man sat down and he said, um, so the other day, Dan, I'm driving in my truck and I'm driving down the road. And he said, I did something I've never done in my life. I turned the radio off and I started praying out loud. He said, I'm praying out loud in my truck driving down the road and I've never done that. And he said, the Lord just kind of laid on my heart. What are you doing? You have all kind of issues in your past that you want to be forgiven for and let go. But you want to hold on to hers. What are you doing? 
you got to stop. And he said, I, I just, I knew the Lord was telling me, I got to let it go. And it's so funny. I've been telling him that for weeks. And the Lord spoke to him, and I'm telling you, his spirit, his, he left the house, and he stayed there, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. He left, and Jane goes, what's the big deal here? He has such a sweet spirit. I'm like, yeah, yeah, today, because the Lord spoke to him. And this is one of the identifying factors you will know in your life when the Lord's speaking to you. If you're getting really defensive or if you're really submissive, People who are seeking God have a submissive spirit. They're not hard to work with. I can give testimony of this with my daughter, Anna, who, if you were in second service, she was sitting right beside us today. We had lunch together. Her and her boyfriend were there, and then they left, and Jane and I were in the car together even before I came here, and Jane said to me, do you notice the difference it makes when your daughter has a submissive spirit to God? Not even the same person sitting there this morning. Worshiping the Lord. Humble leaves dead. What a killer message, man. That really spoke to my heart. Where were you a year ago? Because <laughs> the Lord does that. And whatever the thing is in your life right now that you have that you probably should be letting go, can you take it to the Lord? Because I'm telling you, if you don't, you'll defend it. You'll make excuses for it. You'll try to blame it. That, that young man sat in my office and tried to convince me it was her issue. And I'm like, dude, she has gone to the Lord. She's forgiven. She's fine. The issue is yours. And he left and he told her because she told me he was so mad at you because all you wanted to do was fuss at him. I didn't fuss at him. But he's not letting it go. And he wants to blame everybody else. That daughter of mine, a year ago, dad, it's you and it's mom and it's my sisters and my brothers. And today it's me, oh Lord. And when you shift from blame to responsibility and dismissiveness, it is so good to be around you. Y'all get that? Y'all have anybody in your family who blames everybody else? You know what you want. You don't want to see them coming. But submissive people, humble people, who know how to let things go and know how to forgive, those are wonderful people to be around. So I just, you know, my check here tonight is just to say to her, how are you doing letting things go? And I know, I know some of you want to go, you don't know the issue I have to let go. I know, that's the beautiful part of this sermon. I don't know, but I can tell you, it's going to help you if you'll do it. So I'm the guy in my marriage who, um, I'm going to take you up to two years ago. I, I talk a lot, obviously. And Jane will even sometimes say, being married to you is really tough because you're always working on a marriage thing. And it's really true. But I am learning nine out of ten things that come up in our marriage. Nine out of ten, I let go and don't even bring up compared to two years ago. And she's like, it's just so much easier living with you. Because I'm not always bringing stuff up. And if you're here and you're like me and you tend to want to bring things up, consider, consider that probably most of them aren't as important as you make them. It's kind of interesting. I'm doing it probably, I'll say to Jane, twice a month I bring things up now I'd like to talk about. Twice a month versus before once a day. And in that twice a month thing, then she's way more receptive to hearing it. Because it's not in her face all the time. And the funny part is, like I told you this morning, that thing on the airplane, I don't even remember what it was. And so I challenge you just to take a look at your life and consider what it would be like if you forgave more. Like, like don't you think it would have been enjoyable being around Jesus, watching how he forgave people? I mean, forgiving them to the point of even taking his life. 
as he surrendered it, as I said this morning. But I believe um, in this area of exposing ourselves to light, most of us who really call the name of Christ ours, we want to follow that name of Christ, I don't think we do a good job of this. I, I, I want to say something. I said this to Jane. I want to compliment you as a church and so to the pastors. I want to pay a compliment here. So we're sitting this morning and um, you guys need to know I speak at all sorts of churches around the country. All sorts of them. I'm being really careful what I say. All sorts of them. And I said to Jane, uh, sitting there this morning after I finished preaching second service, I sat down by her. Pastor Bernie was up speaking. I'm watching the audience. I leaned over to her. I said, babe, you know I love it here. You know I love it here. I said, I said, look across there. First of all, it's a smorgasbord of society. Secondly, it's just not judgmental. You come walking in here, you're probably flawed, you got issues, welcome. There's a lot of churches where you got to get cleaned up before you can come in. That's not the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came for the people who need to be cleaned up and welcomes them all. And I want us to make sure, you know, the reason the church is the way it is because that's the way y'all live in your hearts. Be willing to receive people and talk to people in your life who ain't where they need to be yet. You might be the person to help get them there. And that might be a family member, might even be your spouse. And your ability to let things go and to overcome that is really big. I have a dear friend who, who messed his life up, pastor, you know, messed his life up really bad and lost his ministry and that kind of thing. And I went over to his house just a couple of days ago. I said, I, just want, I want you to know, you are my hero. And he goes, what? I was like, dude, you're one of the guys that I admire the way you preach. I love who you are. And you've messed up, you bet. But I want to tell you something. You have unconditional love from your friend Dan. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I love that you've humbled yourself. You want to grow, etc. I will let it go because I want to see you continue to go on and make a difference for the kingdom of God. And that's the spirit I want to keep until I die. Because Jesus forgave and Jesus moved on. And some of you tonight, I don't know your marriage issues, don't know anything about them. But I just believe that for many of us tonight, exposing ourselves to the light of saying, I need to move on with something, let that happen for the sake of your marriage, sake of a relationship that needs to keep going in a positive direction. The second one, I'm just going to keep going. Number marriage has taught me this. Number two, uh, do things that encourage laughter more. I want to go straight to that. There's a verse I want to throw up on the screen. Uh, one of my favorite verses, because I like to laugh. A cheerful heart is good medicine, and a crushed spirit dries up the moans. I mean, think about that. Which one of those two relationships do you be, want to be in? One that crushes your spirit or one that brings you joy and laughter? I can tell you in my home, we do best when we laugh. We do best when we're having fun together. Jane will even say, go do something like you used to. Be, be fun again. Because sometimes we can crush each other's bones. Um, our children watch this too. You know, I have two grandchildren who live in this area, and um, their mom and dad have gone through a divorce. And so it's been hard. But my little grandson, Jackson, um, I'm doing right now. He's five. Some of you have seen him running around after service out there with me. And we went to lunch together today, and I tried to make his life right now really joyful. And I was putting him to bed the other night, and I said, Jackson, let's pray, because he's been the night at our house. And I said, Jackson, let's pray, et cetera, et cetera. And then I said, because my grandpa used to play with me. And, and, and he said, was your grandpa fun too? That's the phrase he said. Was your grandpa fun too? And I said, Papa. And I said, actually, Jackson, he was. 
And that's one of the reasons I want to bring joy to you. I said, do you like that? He goes, I do, Papa. Because, see, children want to have joy. Uh, today, and I'm not saying this to compliment me, but when we left, uh, we went down to her buyer today, whatever that grill is, that pizza place. I ate a whole pizza. We went down there today, and um, as we left there, he literally got out to the car. He turned, and he goes, hey, see you later, best papa. Like that. And I was like, oh, Jackson. I mean, you know, he's like, I can preach now. I mean, that, that. But you know what? He sees in me is joy. He sees joy. And I want to be that kind of husband. I want to be that kind of father. I want to be that kind of papa. Because when we bring joy, we bring a contagiousness for Christ. And some of you in here, haven't, you haven't laughed in a while. You really haven't. In your marriage, you just haven't just, just had a good belly laugh in a while. You say, Dan, I don't know how to do that anymore. Isn't that interesting? So go do something. Like tonight, go do something fun. Go, go leave and go do something fun. I'm not going to go into detail, but go do something fun. Enjoy yourself. Bring some laughter. It's good medicine. And I really think that the disciples, when they hung out with Jesus sometimes, I really think they just laughed. Their lives were tough. Their road was hard. They lived in this kind of heat with no air. And walked. Not to mire. They walked. And so I want you to know that I believe Jesus, even in the middle of that, brought joy. And I believe it's our challenge in our family life and our married life to bring some joy into the relationships that are around us. Make sure you do that. Third thing. In essentials, have unity. But in non-essentials, give some liberty. This is really important. My father never allowed my mother to have any freedoms. He totally controlled her. And I made a determination in my life I would not be that kind of husband. So about two years ago, I'm on the beach in Florida, and the Lord's talking to me about this very thing. Because I think I give Jane incredible freedom. She can do what she chooses to do, etc. But there are times that I can't see about myself that I like to try to get her to be who I want her to be instead of how God created her to be. Let me give you an illustration of it. When God created Jane, it's far better than these two cones, but he made her. Here he was. He created Jane. There she is right there. He made her. He made her to think the way she thinks. He made her to uh, have behaviors like she has. He just created this woman named Jane, and that's who I fell in love with. And I've noticed over the years, um, I like to try to chain, to move her cones. I don't like this about you, baby. You need to do it this way. And I've noticed every time I touch her cone, she doesn't like it. She will say to me, Dan, can you, just, can you just let me be? Can you let Christ work with me? But honey, I can see how you would be so much better. And every time I touch this cone, it doesn't work out so good. So I'm on the beach with the Lord and I'm talking to him about how sometimes Jane really frustrates me, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I feel the Lord saying back to me, well, don't you think she feels that way about you too? Don't you know that she'd love to grab your cones and sometimes stick them on top of your head? So what I want you to do, Dan, is watch this. I want you to start loving her for who she is. For the way that she thinks. 
for the way I've made. Start affirming who she is as a person, even in the areas where she's totally opposite from you. Start affirming that and celebrating who she is even more than you ever have. And so I started doing that. She would do something and I'd go, babe, I don't think like you. Man, it's neat how you think different from me. I'm not really feeling that, but I say it out loud. And she's like, what's going on with you? I'm like, well, God made you this way. And he showed me on the beach. One of the things that God showed me on the beach was he came to give me love. And love, what does he call it? Abundantly. Abundant love. Dan, go give Jane not just love, not just grace. Go give her abundant love. Tell her you are thankful for how God made her. When you're driving and she corrects you, make sure you go, honey, I'm so glad you see all that stuff I don't see. (laughs) Change your attitude toward her because I don't know about y'all, but that stuff can drive me nuts. And then we get irritated at each other. And I have learned that if I stop touching her cone so much and celebrate who God made her to be, it just works a lot better. She loves to be loved for who God made her to be. And too many of us, I think, spend our time, I love you. I love you a lot, but I'd love you even more if you were like this. I'd love you even more if you're a little bit over here. I'd love you even more if you did. And, and, and really what that's called is conditional love. This is called, babe, babe I, I don't care what happens. I love you unconditionally the way God made you. I just love you. You. And that is the essential. That is saying, I I care about you. I want to make that. And in the non-essentials, just give liberty. Just let Jane do whatever she wants to do. Be the way she is. Nothing against God's word. But just let let her celebrate who she is. Let her be the person she is. Don't try to control her and manipulate her. Because I grew up in that house, and I here's what's funny. This is why I'm working on this. I am so much better than my dad was in this area, but that doesn't mean I'm there yet. My children have looked at me and said, Dad, sometimes you try to control Mom. I'm like, what? You guys have no idea what control is. Let me take you back to my childhood. And they were like, well, we didn't live your childhood. We're just based on what we see in you. So my goal is to have handed my children a better example than my dad handed me. And then I said to them, boy, this could be cool. Because if I hand you a better than my dad handed me, and then I'm going to ask you, hand on to my grandkids a better you than I gave you. So continuing to improve. Continuing to grow. Keeping the essential things, loving God, growing in God, those are just there. But then giving freedom beyond that. And then right after that is the next point that actually I've been working on really hard tied into that same thought. And to get that point across, I'm going to use these three chairs. The fourth point is to learn to see their point of view. I've been saying this, this thing that's come to me lately is there, there's my view and there's her view and then there's probably the right view. I, my, my new line, you know, people have said there's two sides to every story. I'm now saying there's three sides to every story. My side, her side, and the right side. Because usually neither one of us are right. 
And we, we do this a lot lately when we're disagreeing or working through something. I will stop and I will say, hey, I need you to do me a favor. I, I did it uh, two nights ago. Babe, I am so clueless. I do not understand how you have got that thought. It doesn't make any sense to me how you can have that thought. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to forget about the way I think. I want to hear how you think that and why you think that way. Now watch this. To listen to that, you've got to lay down your thought. If you have a hard time doing this, um, you aren't abnormal. But you've got to lay down the way you think and the way you process things and the way you want to do it and try to hear that point of view. And I, I, can, tell you, I can tell you so many times now when Jane starts talking about that, whatever, I just look and I go, wow, that's, that's really good, babe. In fact, I find myself thinking you're probably really right on this situation. And I can come over and really appreciate her point of view. And then if there are times that we can't do this and we can't figure each other, any of it out, whatever, I'll just say, well, let's just imagine Jesus is sitting right here. What would he say? Because he has a right perspective on this. Lord, help me to take whatever Jane's saying, whatever I'm saying, but help us. And the other thing, if you'll imagine Jesus is sitting right here, you don't say mean things to each other. If Jesus is sitting here, you're a lot kinder in your words and what you say. And this whole idea of seeing there at a point of view quicker, quicker, can really change things. It'll keep your arguments from escalating. It'll keep you from misunderstanding each other more. Because when I stop and really hear what Jane has to say, she has brilliant thoughts, great thoughts. That God made her to think. And she brings that to the table and it helps me grow as a person. Just a little thought that I thought would help you seeing it that way. This next one uh, is something that has happened for me over the years. Being right isn't nearly as important as being understood. Some of you are sitting here tonight and you have a spouse uh, who will not let you get your point out. Uh, they won't allow you to say it. They get irritated at you when you want to share your point of view. And tonight you feel, you feel stuffed. You feel sequestered. In fact, you might not even have your spouse with you tonight because you, you, you don't have enough unity that, to do that together, to come to church together. And I want to tell you that in our relationship, I would be the one. Though Jane has to deal with a lot of my issues, I'm the one who, who has this more. Jane isn't as easy for her sometimes to hear my point of view. She would tell you that. And sometimes it can make me feel very, um, I heard inside going, I just... I just have this thing in here I need to get out and I can't get it out. And those of you who don't do a good job listening to your spouse in this area, can I just say to you, um, when you got married, you said for better, for worse, just look at this as a worse thing for you. And receive it and go, wow, but since I'm your spouse, Jane will sometimes say, babe, I am your spouse and I need to hear you. I need to hear what you have to say. And she'll say, I, I can't do it right now, or give me 10 minutes. But I need to be able to express my thoughts and my feelings. And for our marriage to get better and stay healthy, i got to get that out. And I guarantee, I shoot. I've got at least four or five friends right now coming to me saying, I cannot talk to my wife about certain things right now. I say, well, what happens? She just gets too irritated. And I want to say something right here, and I'm going to get possibly in big trouble. I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to be a realist. 
I, I would tell you, and I may have mentioned this here before when I've talked about ladies, sometimes as you get older, just, just listen, just be, love me, please love me through this. Sometimes, ladies, as you get older, you can get a little colder. You can't see it, but you get a little, a little harder to talk to. A little more, I'm, I'm right. Just, just know that if, if your first thought is, I'm right, you might be in this identification group of a little colder. And I have friends right now coming to me saying, Dan, can you please talk about this? Because I can't even talk to my wife. Can't talk to her about physical issues. I can't talk to her about stuff, some of the stuff I'm going through. She just has no tolerance for it. And, and I, I just want to say, ladies, you, you didn't sign up that way on your wedding day. And you might say, well, I've heard him long enough. Mm. Please be willing to listen. Don't, listen, you're putting your marriage at risk if you make him stuff it. And I want your husband to feel free to talk to you. This can be vice versa. I totally get it. But I'm just telling you, I've got, I'm 57. I've got at least four or five friends coming to me saying, can you talk about this? My wife is just shutting down. And I'm saying to you, ladies, consider talking to someone. Consider getting some help. If you, if you think that might be, ask your husband. Ask him. And if he says, I do feel that way, talk about it. Because it's just so healthy to be able to say what you got to say. And there are people sitting here tonight who, it, it, hey, trust me with Jane, it has nothing to do with her needing to say, Dan, you're right. I don't care if she thinks I'm right. Will you just hear my point of view? So important. And so I challenge you, that this, is, this maybe is the place tonight when I tell you everything exposed to the light. And if the light is that the Lord's putting on you going, wow, I think I'm doing that. Please consider growing and seeking help and changing in that area. You will benefit your marriage, thus blessing your children and grandchildren as you do that. And I also am one who... Um, Believes that our children are watching. I know it. In fact, I know it for sure. Because mine talk to me. And, and they may, your children might talk to you. They see it. I, I'm one. I go to my son. He works with me. His office is just down the hall around the corner. And I, I went into his office last week. Closed the door. And I said, all right, bro. Uh, he stayed at my house for two weeks. Uh, he's remodeling a little house. And him and his wife are moving. Actually moving down to the inner city just to minister there. And. And so he's redoing his house. So he lived with us for two weeks. And lived with his mother-in-law for two weeks. Going back and forth. And I said to him, you live with us for two weeks. What are you seeing in me that I could work on? Eh, it was like he had a list. It was like, you know, he, he saw stuff. And it was so good. It was so helpful. Because we can't see it about ourselves sometimes. And so just know that in this area of, of being able to get things out, it's very important to do that. And so I would challenge you tonight as you leave to maybe say to your spouse, do you feel like I make you stuff it? And if your spouse says, I do, don't be mad. It's listen. It's listen. Number six. Uh, this is important. I, I put, don't let the red in your sunset be anger. Um, the Bible says don't let the sun go down in your anger. Now let's talk about that. The Bible doesn't say you can't be angry. And when you really look at the concept of this passage and you study the original text, it, you know, we always say, hey, that sun's got, got, got to get really angry before the sun sets. There are times and issues that can't be solved in one sunset. Come on, we all know that. What it means is don't let it keep happening. 
Don't let sunsets keep passing and just finally go, ah, well, I guess that's just the way it's going to be. That was my grandmother. I watched her do that with an issue toward her sister. I've talked about that. And she, she, the sunsets kept going down and finally it just became her life. And I want to say to you, if tonight there's some anger in you, by tomorrow night, get that worked on a little better. And over time, with counsel, with God's forgiveness, with God's help, with his amazing rejuvenating power and forgiving power and his healing power, which you can call on and claim on right now. If you've got an issue of anger right now, just right now in the name of Jesus, Father, come and cleanse this out of me. Ask him to help you. Talk to him about it. In other words, don't let it keep happening. Don't let the sun just keep going down and you finally go, that's just who I am. Do not let anger identify you. That's not helpful for your marriage. And, you know, maybe I'm not hitting a topic that connects with a lot of you tonight, but I hope so. I know I deal with all these things in my marriage, so I'm trusting you probably do too, or in your relationships. So work at releasing the anger and turning it over to the Lord Jesus. Number seven, um, don't draw such hard lines in the sand because over time, sand can shift. Uh, those of you who have been married, anybody been married over 20 years? Can you just raise your hand? Would you say you're the same people you were on your wedding day? Shoot. Sometimes Jane and I talk about it, We're like, we're not even close to the same people. And stuff that was so important to me 20 years ago, I don't even care now. So be very careful. And those of you who tend to be more rule abiders, nothing wrong with that. Jane's a rule abider, but sometimes she will draw a really hard line in the sand. And I'll say to her, babe, babe be kind of careful there. Because that line might trap you in in time. Because that's not a biblical issue. You're just drawing a line saying, this is the way it has to be. And it's not a biblical issue. It's the way you feel about it. So be very careful drawing those really hard lines in the sand. Because after the sand shifts, you'll be like, well, I guess I really didn't mean that. And then what happens is people go, well, do you really stand by what you mean? So for me, when I draw a line and I say this is a line, and it's like I've done the five rules of the family life, when I draw a line, that's a line that's biblical and it's going to stay. It's not going to move. It's not going to shift over time. Because a lot of marriage things and a lot of things about the way Jane and I feel about things, they shift. And I think if you don't make such hard lines, then the shifting's easier for both of you. That makes sense? Number eight. Uh, right tones will sing a new tune. This is really important. Um, <laughs> if you've been married for any time at all, I would love you to see your facial expressions when you're talking to your spouse and something's bothering you. You can't even see it. Like I got a friend who I, I told him the other day when he starts talking to his wife and he's frustrated at her, he says her name in such a way. I said, dude, I told him in the car the other day, I said, dude, I was watching you and you just said her name. Say her name is Tina. That's not her name. I said, when you say Tina, I said, you just need to know, if I was her, I'd just be wanting to smack you upside the head. Because your tone is just like, it's not, when you talk to her normally, it's Tina. But that day, it's Tina. And I said, you know, you, you need to know just how you say her name matters. I see women do this a lot. Like, when you talk about what your husband says and you're talking to another woman, I see it like if I'm in a store, Target, sitting, I see a woman talking about, like my husband said the other day, well, if you go over there, you do it over there, and do it over there. You always mock the way he talks. It's so funny. Because if something irritates you, yeah, my husband the other day, he said, do what you do, what you do. What you talk like you're some kind of dorfus or something. You do that. You don't even realize you do it. You know, guy, guys don't do it as much. I always say to my friends, yeah, I was talking to Jane. And she said. 
she was got I just don't do that, you know. But I have facial features. I have t- the way my face, you know, Jane will say, there goes your eyes again. And I'll be like, I've got to try to stay as calm as possible. But it's really hard. And I would tell you, uh, this, this would be a great one for those of you who have been married for a little bit of time and have people around, just say to them, what are the things I do? Like I have friends that their face, they get the wrinkles right here. You can just see it. And so your spouse, oh, you don't have to do anything, just the face. And you already lost that deal because that face builds a wall. And so little tones, little moments um, like that can make a big difference. And see, tonight, all I'm trying to do is expose you to a thought that's exposing you to the light, helping you see, wow, that's me. I really do do that. I know I do it. And I'm really working to change it. I really have. I'm I'm dead serious when I tell you guys. In the last two years, I've worked really hard at this stuff because I want to get better with time. And that's intentional to think about how you come across and watch yourself. If you really want to check yourself, the next time you and your spouse are talking, just sit a phone up. And I told you about doing that with Jane. Sit a phone up and just, just look back at your conversation. You'll be surprised at your own moods and your tones, etc. And those things can be very hurtful. It's a behavioral change, but it can make a big difference. And then the last little thing I had to bring up was that uh, if I am teachable, it's reachable. So tonight it really comes down with you saying, I want to be teachable. I want to change something. I've given you nine little thoughts. If you leave here tonight and do one or two of them, uh, your facial moods change. Uh, You appreciate that. On the way home, you say, you know what? I've been messing with your cones a lot. And I'm going to stop touching them so much. And I'm going to celebrate who you are. Or I'm, I'm going to do this, babe. I'm going to start going, what was your point of view? I don't, I, I don't know how you get there. Can you explain that to me? And after you hear it, you go, wow, that makes sense. Those are little shifts that can make a big difference in your marriage relationship. And y'all know I love the little phrase that our counselor says, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So go home and make a little tweak, a little change, so there can be changes in your home life. So, Lord, uh, tonight, I just pray over all of us. We want to be better in our relationships. Um, We struggle with all this stuff. I'm sure two or three of these things have been practicable, applicable things that we can all talk about and work out in our life. So help us to grow in these areas. Father, I pray that uh, as married couples, as people in relationships, as single individuals who will be moving or possibly consider relationships, let us soak some of this stuff in so that we can be better at loving those around us. And thank you for being a God who uses your word and little practical thoughts like this to expose us to new concepts and new thoughts that can challenge our marriage. And we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. And I pray as you listen to those simple thoughts, you will now apply them in your life and continue to grow in your marriage relationship and just frankly build healthier relationships all the way around. I thank you again for being a Home Run Club member as we come toward this year end. I thank you for considering, supporting us. As you know, uh, this Home Run Club CD and Home Run Club download and podcast are all just to thank you for being a part of the team. And we trust as you listen to them, you'll be encouraged and continue to help us seek to make a mark to help families grow and win at home. So on behalf of all the staff here at Winning at Home, thank you for partnering with us. And may the Lord bless you as you continue to grow with your family.